0: What are we discussing on today's podcast, you ask? Well, Christian Walker has been hot, so I want to do a little deep dive on his season so far. And then yesterday, we did the trustworthy power rankings for the E-backs position players we want to see in the biggest spots of the game. So now we are power ranking the most trustworthy relievers in the D-backs bullpen today, all on today's Locked On Diamondback podcast. <laughs> locked on diamondbacks your daily arizona diamondbacks podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day welcome into the locked on diamondbacks podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day listening to who the always charismatic host of this podcast miller thomas a multimedia journalist and a graphic designer so please Go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. You can see all my latest work from my patches to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at creatorthomas 24 for my personal account. Or look up Locked on Dimebacks, both Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue every day. One of those platforms is YouTube, so please hit subscribe. on a locked on Dimebacks YouTube channel. If you listen to the podcast every day, please put hashtag everydayer in the comments on the YouTube channel. But for today's podcast, as I mentioned yesterday, we did part one, basically power ranking our confidence in the D-backs position players in terms of trustworthiness and big spots. It was basically a clutch ranking. Not a talent ranking, not who's having the best season because I had someone like Nick Ahmed ahead of Ketel Marte. I'm not saying Nick Ahmed is better than Ketel Marte and I'm not saying if I was to start a team this year, I want Nick Ahmed over Ketel Marte. But you're telling me it's ninth inning, And on third, two outs, Marte Ahmed at play. I might want Ahmed over Keta Marte in that situation. So that's what we're doing today with the bullpen power ranking, the relievers who would want to see most in a big spot. But before we get there, I first want to talk about Christian Walker because this man has been on fire. And just FYI when I'm recording these podcasts, because once again, I'm on vacation in Hawaii. on the beach of Waikiki. And so I apologize, one. If the audio and video quality is not up to par, it usually is. This week is not the best for me. I brought my backup mic, and it is all right. It is barely getting the job done so I apologize and number two I'm recording these podcasts early in the morning before I start my adventure so I'm just going to be if I do talk about any of the d back games from this past week it's gonna be like two days late basically because I record this Tuesday Monday I'm recording this podcast Tuesday at 9 30 a.m to drop tomorrow morning so for me to talk about Monday's D-backs game it's already gonna be two days late by the time you hear this but in Monday's D-backs game Funny enough, we did see Christian Walker hit a home run and after Monday's game, I think he has six home runs in his last nine games now. So it led me to this deep dive of Christian Walker, the third player we've done this year because we've already done a Corbin Carroll deep dive. We've also done, I want to say Zach Gallon deep dive, right? I'm pretty sure this is the third deep dive we've had this year. But now I think it's time to do a little Christian Walker deep dive because this guy has been elite this year. I think it was fun to compare this year's numbers to last year's numbers to see how it got improved because Christian Walker so far, a lot of the numbers this year are matching up with what they were last season. His exit velocity is a little bit down this year. Last year is at 90 miles an hour. This year is about 88 miles per hour. So it's a little bit lower this year than it was compared to years past. But you look at the barrel percentage, literally like exactly the same from last year. Launch angle, exactly the same. Added a couple of ticks of percentage points on that sweet spot percentage. So pretty much all the hard contact stats according to StatCast are pretty much right along with what he's done last year. The exit velocity is a little bit lower. The hard hit percentage is a little bit lower as well. 44% last year, 39.3% this year. But even with that being said, you could say he's crushing the ball even better this year than he was last year because so far, Christian Walker this year against fastballs has been an absolute nightmare for opposing pitchers. 3.24 average against fastballs. Last year was 2.68. And his expected average against fastballs is 3.10. So it adds up to what his actual batting average is. The expected average is telling you his normal batting average makes sense. He has a 5.95 slugging against fastballs. What expected slugging at 5.46. So once again, it adds up in that slugging. This year against fastballs at 5.95, way improved compared to the 516 he had last year and even against some of the other pitches too breaking balls a 229 average this year you say you know what that's not that good but last year it was a 202 average against off speed this year 263 last year it was 242 so christian walker is seeing all these pitches and are just doing a better job of making contact and hitting it this season and if you look at i mean we just talked about the hard hit percentage but if you look at the week. Percentage Christian Walker slightly lower than last year, and actually one of the lowest he's had since 2019. Last year's weak percentage was 3.7 percent. This year's 2.8 percent. So this guy, maybe he's not hitting the ball as hard, but he's also not hitting it weaker than he has in the past. So it's kind of just evened out a little and just plateaued in terms of the hard hit percentage for him and. One of the other things I find interesting with Christian Walker, he is chasing a little bit more this year, 23% chase rate last year, 27% chase rate this year, but when he does chase, he's making more contact on those pitches. So even when he's swinging outside the strike zone, he's making more contact on those pitches and just overall, we're seeing Christian Walker get a little bit more aggressive at the plate because last year, his swing percentage was at 44.7%. This year, his swing percentage is at 51.3%. So even though Christian Walker is technically seeing more pitches per plate appearance this season, he is getting more aggressive at the plate and swinging at more balls than he typically does. He's swinging at more pitches in the strike zone. He's also more swinging at more pitches outside the strike zone. Now, with the more swings, is he making less contact? Yes, last year he made contact at on 77% of the pitches. This year it's about 75% of the pitches making contact on. So, not that big of a difference, but. I'll take the more swings if it's leading to all this contact against every single type of pitch and it's leading to all this power. Like it's been really impressive for Christian Walker. And as a right-handed pitcher, as a right-handed batter, we're not surprised to see that he's crushing lefties, right? 310 average against lefties, 1100 OPS against lefties entering Tuesday's game against Miami. But again, righties, he's in solid this year as well. A 280 average and a 781 OPS against righties. Like you'll definitely take that from a Christian Walker. The weirdest thing when you look at Christian Walker's baseball reference and look at the splits, like we were talking about when I did that trustworthy clutch drinking yesterday like i had Christian Walker either fourth or fifth it was either between him or Josh Rojas and it's like i trust Christian Walker a lot in big moments because of the power i can change the game in one swing how he does lead the team in rbi's but his numbers and his numbers at runners in scoring position just aren't that good or runners on period because with runners in scoring position Christian Walker has a 150 average against a 513 ops With men on, a 209 average and a 646 OPS after Monday's game. So it just, like, he hasn't been that good when it's been time to produce with the runners on. When it's two hours around the scoring position, a 211 average near 800 OPS. So he's slightly better in those situations. The biggest thing that you can say about Christian Walker is he is better Later in the game and in maybe not runners in scoring position, but high pressurized moments when it's a high leverage moment, which I still don't entirely know what that means. Right. I've tried to look at the baseball reference glossary and understand. I'm still a little bit confused about what that means. I'm just going to assume it's a high pressurized moment and high leverage moments. Christian Walker is batting 357 with over with a near. 1,000 OPS in the ninth inning of a ball game Christian Walker's batting over 450 with over 1,100 OPS so ninth inning he's clutch high leverage moments he's clutch as well and so even though he might not be the greatest we're under scoring position if it's late in the game I do trust Christian Walker in those big spots of game and so for Christian Walker this year he's been Really strong, really solid for the D-backs. His walk rate has basically cut in half from last year, so we want to see him draw a few more walks this season, but he's striking out a little bit less. His home run percentage is actually higher than last year, and he's Doing a little bit more work on the bases. His extra base taken percentage last year was 46%. And since 2018, it's been below 50%. This year, it's 71%. 71% of the time, he's taken an extra base. And that's really important when you're considering. He's hitting home runs at a higher rate. He's hitting extra base hits at a higher rate. He's crushing all pitches. And now you're telling me, He's also going to wreak more havoc on the bases. Christian Walker has been phenomenal so far for the D-backs this season. He's looked like an elite defensive player once again, coming off that Gold Glove Award. And maybe he can get an all-star appearance this year. Maybe he can get some MVP votes as well, because if Christian Walker keeps doing the bat like this, I don't think he's going to win the MVP or anything like that. But if he finishes the year, because I think he's on track for 40 home runs. If Christian Walker finishes the year with like a 280 average, an 880 OPS and 40 home runs, yeah, he's going to finish like top, nine-ish in MVP voting and I'm all here for it because Christian Walker has been phenomenal for the D-backs since Paul Goldschmidt left and that was a hard hole to fill and it's just been such a nice surprise to see Christian Walker be a consistent contributor for the D-backs year after year. Now I think eventually I would want a Christian Walker so rare card because I want to talk about our sponsor for today's pod so rare because it's a revolutionary fantasy baseball card game and marketplace transforming fans into owners with officially licensed digital cards featuring players from across all 30 MLB teams Unlike other fantasy baseball platforms, so rare managers truly own their fantasy experience, collecting, buying, selling, and competing with player cards against global opponents and win epic rewards. Win or lose, you still own your cards and there's no cost to play. Plus, the more you win, the more you advance, collecting increasingly powerful cards and accessing next level competition and rewards. MLB Game Weeks happen twice weekly and span a three to four day cycle. At the end of Game Weeks, So Rare MLB managers who rank at or near the top of their leaderboards win a variety of rewards, which can include So Rare scarcity cards, game tickets, merchandise, signed jerseys, and VIP experiences like meeting MLB stars prizes may vary depending on the competition head to so slash lockdown that's spelled s-o-r-a-r-e dot com to draft your team of free player cards, set your lineup and start competing today to win epic rewards again that's so rare.com slash lockdown to start playing today All right, all right all right let's get back into the podcast and let's do our trustworthy power rankings for d backs relievers these are basically the d-back relievers we would want most in a high leverage clutch moment where maybe it's two runners on two outs runners score position and the opposing team can take the lead or tie the game and you know one of those situations so this is my power ranking for that of course it's a subjective Ranking everyone, so I don't want to hear anyone get too upset. But if you are upset, don't be afraid to reach out on Twitter at creator Thomas24 or reach out on Twitter for the show account Locked on Dimebacks. Just type it in the little search bar. But we got a power rank the seven reliever. The D backs currently have in their bullpen because their reliever short with some injury that they've dealt with, and they just want to carry an extra position player for you know the last week and a half, couple weeks. Because I think a guy like Dominic Fletcher has been so hot, Pavin Smith, the man, has have been so hot, it's been hard to. Uh, sacrifice of position players so the d-backs have seven relievers that we're going to power rank today and number seven was probably the easiest guy to rank because it is scott mcguff coming in at number seven in the power rankings for e-backs relievers because mcguff on this season hasn't been that good for the d-backs he's got a 587 era 10 earned runs and 15.1 innings pitch not very good scott mcguff and he's given up three home runs per nine innings i think that's how i wanted to say three home runs per nine innings and scott mcguff had just been very frustrating for the d fans this year he's given up a 859 ops to the lefties this season which is not too big of a surprise because because scott mcguff is a righty but considering he's been a closer the last couple of years in japan i thought this was someone that's going to be a pretty stabilizing force and potentially the closer for the d-backs this season i think that's how the d-backs envisioned him coming into the year and He's been just terrible in safe situations. He's been all right in non-safe situations, but in safe situations this year, in eight innings pitch, he's given up seven. Ho- he's given up seven earned runs and four home runs with a .375 WHIP. Terrible in safe situations. In nine safe situations, 7.1 innings pitch, three earned runs. So he's been all right in those situations, but Scott McGuff has just been really disappointing. And you could tell right away because McGuff is really good with two outs, but with no outs, which is kind of the Point of Scott McGuff when you watch him, it always feels like those first couple batters that come to the plate when there's no outs are the guys that could do the most damage because when there's no outs, Scott McGuff has given up a 273 average and 1061 OPS, which is insane. Now, he hasn't been good or excuse me, he hasn't been bad with runners in scoring position and been on like Scott McGuff has actually been elite when runners are on. It's when the runners aren't on and the bases are empty. That's actually when Scott McGuff struggles the most, which is actually crazy thing about because when there's no one on and no out, Scott McGuff has given up a 333 average and a 1289 OPS. So McGuff hasn't been that good late games this year. In the ninth inning this season, McGuff is allowed a 300 average and over a 1,600 OPS. And of course, all the numbers I say today are after Monday's game against Miami. So Scott McGuff comes in at number seven because he's terrible in high leverage moments. He's terrible in the ninth inning, and he's been bad in safe situations this year. And there's probably no one I trust the least when I see a big moment of the ball game, then a Scott McGuff and I apologize for anyone that hears any music. I am outside on the balcony of my hotel room. I am on the 24th floor, so if you can hear music from some car down below, that means they are really jamming out here. Number six on my list, I got Kevin Ginko, who at one point after 2019, I thought maybe Kevin Ginko could be the closer of the future for the D-backs. And I'm pretty out on him being the closer of the future. But I still think he could be a solid reliever for the D-backs and maybe a set man. He has been worse against righties than lefties this year, which is weird because Kevin Ginko throws righty. But it has been terrible, the splits against righties and lefties. He's just been slightly worse against righties than lefties this season. Really, for Kevin Ginko, what has been bad. I mean, he's only had one save situation this year, and he did not come through in that scenario. And in non-save situations, like, Ginko just overall in the season has been all right. He's got four six one 6 one ERA and 13.2 innings pitch, and I just don't know if there's ever a moment of the ball game where I do trust that Kevin Ginko. Now, if you look at him with runners in scoring position, he's very bad. Like, when runners are on, Kevin Ginko's not a very good pitcher. Runners in scoring position, over a 900 OPS allowed. Runners on, over a 900 OPS allowed. So, Whenever runners are getting on base for Kevin Ginkle, good things are not happening. And I think Kevin Ginkle is somehow, like, when you look at it inning by inning, those middle innings, Kevin is not good. That fifth inning, Kevin Ginkle gives up over 1,300 OPS. The sixth inning, he gives up over 1,300 OPS. But for some reason, in the eighth and ninth inning, where he has six innings pitched, he's given up no earned run. So that ninth inning he's pitched this year has definitely come. In non-save situations because he's only had one save situation this year and he blew it. But he's been good in ninth inning and garbage time this year. And as an eighth inning guy, he's been really good as well. So maybe Kevin Ginkle is better as a set man. We'll see going forward. But I don't think you could really trust him in high leverage moments. I wouldn't trust him in safe situations. But he also hasn't been good in middle inning. So it's tough to find where that perfect sweet spot is to fit into kevin ginkle and that's why he's number six on this list but i still think he's talented he's 6'4 235 and throws a pretty hard fastball so i do think there's still talent there and maybe brent Strom can pull it out of him but as it currently stands he's number six on my list number five on my list i got jose ruiz who I don't have a ton to say about Jose Ruiz. He throws a pretty hard fastball and sinker. He's been pretty solid since coming over to the D-backs, who have three ERA overall. He's been terrible against lefties. Can't use him against lefties, but against righties, he's absolutely shut down with 386 OPS allowed against righties. He's been really good recently for the D-backs, and he keeps continuing to get better as the season progresses, and I want to see a larger sample size out Jose Ruiz, but as it currently stands, he's been solid with runners scoring position, been solid with runners on, and I I think he's been a fine D-backs reliever and someone that hadn't really given me a headache yet or reason to not like him. So that's why I can't, that's why Jose Ruiz is number five on this list. Now, number four on this list. It's kind of a surprise because I think entering the season, he might have been a top-two reliever and probably the, maybe the most talented or decorated reliever, reliever, but he's really struggled recently, and that is Andrew Chafin, who is now number four on my list because Chafin <coughs> over his last... how do I want to put this? Over his last 8.1 innings pitch, he's given up six earned runs with two home runs and just has not looked good recently, and over his last 11 games, his last 37 at bats, he's getting a 324 average against and a 916 OPS. And it feels like Andrew Chafin is like hitting a wall. And maybe the D backs need to add another reliever to the bullpen because maybe this bullpen has been getting taxed too much, like we've discussed, because the starters for the D backs this year are below average in terms of how deep they can go into a ballgame. If you look like at innings pitch per start by your starters, D backs are one of the worst in the league and basically it's because everyone after Gallon and Merrill Kelly don't go deep enough so I'm hoping because again I'm recording this before the D-backs Tuesday's game where Brandon fought it's fought Tuesday for all my New Orleans out there and so hopefully he could go deep in the, the ballgame and some of these other D-back starts go to go deep in the, the ballgame. Tommy Henry, I mean, quietly can eat innings, whether it's a good start or a bad start. Tommy Henry has been solid at eating innings, and he just came off a quality start. So I do you want to see more Tommy Henry, who has been a quiet surprise for the D-backs most recently. But Andrew Chafin, like I was saying, I think he might be hitting a wall just a tad bit here. Um, You look at his numbers of runners in scoring position, that's probably the most glaring thing when you look at a andrew chafin because i thought he would have been really good in those situations but he's given up a 350 average and a thousand ops for runners in scoring position went men on over a 300 average over 900 ops which is really weird and he's been good in safe situations this year a 352 era three earned runs in 7.2 innings pitch which is good not great in non-safe situations five innings pitch he's given up three earned runs and Frank chafin i i do want him as probably the closer of this team but he hasn't been that great in those situations this year. He's good in high leverage moments, 250 average, a 683 OPS allowed. But in the safe situations, he has been good. He hasn't been great. I do think he might be the best suited for that role. But considering how he's pitched recently, I wouldn't be surprised if the D-backs wanted to give someone else a chance at the closing role. We did see Joe Mansupply shut the door in game one against Miami. So we, maybe we see Joe Manseplay a little bit more. As the closer going forward, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a committee. Maybe use Andrew Chafin as that setup man with the Miguel Castro also as a high-leverage reliever. And then you put in Kevin Ginkgo as your sixth, seventh inning guy, even though I just say he's not gonna do the middle innings. So we'll see how the D-backs use those guys. Of course, it also depends on if there's a variety at the plate, left hand at the plate, you know, how many days of rest, yada yada. So there's so many factors when it comes to relievers, but as a really state, maybe Joe Mantel probably should be the no the new go-to guy in that ninth inning until Andrew Schaffer can start coming back around because he's just been such a struggle recently and we need to see him get back to the guy we saw at the beginning part of the season. Number three in my power rankings is Miguel Castro, who I think, even though he has a 3.6 year rank, I just think he's been really strong for the D-backs this year. He's another guy that's starting to struggle just a tad bit over his last 11 innings pitch. He's given up six earned runs, so he's starting to struggle a little bit as well, but he's been good against both righties and lefties this season. a a below 700 OPS against lefties, a below 500 OPS against righties, which is like the most important thing that you could want from your guy. He hasn't been great in safe situations. I don't think he's a closer. He's got four earned runs and 7.2 innings pitched in safe situations. But non-safe situations, I think this is where Miguel Castro is elite. 2-4-5 five ERA, five, just two earned runs and 7.1 innings pitched in non-safe situations. And so I think that's really where Miguel Castro is elite. If you look at his stats in 7th and 8th inning, Below a 500 OPS in each of those innings, but if you look at his stats in the ninth inning, over a thousand OPS in the ninth inning. So I think this is your classic setup guy. He's the elite in high leverage moments, below a 700 OPS in high leverage moments with a 200 batting average, with two outs and runners in scoring position. He's been shut down in those moments as well. His numbers with men on the bases, below a 200 average, below a 600 OPS. Like, Miguel Castro is locked into my top three. I do trust him more than Andrew Chafin. I feel like he's been better than Andrew Chafin this year. And so Miguel Castro, who I always forget, he's 6'7". He's big on the mound, and he throws hard. So I love Miguel Castro. I thought he's been a great offseason signing So far for the D-backs this year, I think Andrew Schaafen's also been a good offseason sign, despite the transgressions we've seen recently with him and the struggles. Miguel Castro, I've loved this season, and I think he's going to continue to dominate for the D-backs for the rest of the year. Now, the top two is not a surprise because they were our top two relievers last season. At number two, I got Kyle Nelson, who I just think is one one of the most underrated relievers in Major League Baseball, or at least just on his E-Backs team, because I feel like no one talks about Kyle Nelson the way I talk about Kyle Nelson because this guy's been phenomenal. And over his last 9.2 innings pitch, he's only given up one earned run. And Kyle Nelson's just so good. Now, his splits, we look at them, they don't look eye-popping, they don't jump off the page, but he gets the job done below 800 OPS to lefties, below 700 OPS to varieties. And even though the numbers never look elite for Kyle Nelson, when you look at like putting batting averages and stuff like that, like Kyle Nelson just doesn't give up runs, which is like the most important thing. And Kyle Nelson also just... Uh, doesn't walk a ton of people. Now he does give up a ton of hits. His hits for nine is pretty high on this D-back team, but I don't care. He doesn't give up runs. That's like most important thing to me and like the most important thing that I care about because we're runners in one position. This guy's shut down below a 150 average, and below a 500 OPS for runners in scoring position, which is meant on the basis, below a 600 average, a below a 220 average, or below a 600 OPS, below a 220 average. So that guy is great with runners in scoring position. Two outs of runners in scoring position, below a 600 average. And so for a lot of the stats, high leverage moments, Kyle Nelson hasn't been great in those situations, according to baseball reference this year. But it's like when I watch this guy, I always have trust. I never think he's going to give up runs. He might give up hits. He might put a guy or two on the bases. But I always think he's going to come through. And there's been multiple times where there's been men on the bases. Kyle Nelson's been in a jam and he's been able to get out of it. So Kyle Nelson, with what I've seen the last couple of years from him, I don't care if he puts dudes on the bases. I don't care if he gives up a lot of hits. He always comes through and doesn't give up runs. Like you just look at his last two years with the D backs. This season he has a one three two ERA. Last season he had a two one nine ERA. At the end of the day, if you're going to, if you're going to have cause now combining last year and this year, that is 13 innings pitch from last year, 37 innings pitch from the previous season. So over his last 50 innings pitch, he's got like a 175 ERA. Right. Yeah, I'm going to take that to the bank and trust that guy as my second most important reliever. And then, of course, that leaves number one, our... All-star representative for the D-backs last season, Joe Mentiply, as the most trustworthy reliever for the D-backs this season because, once again, Mantiply currently has a 2-3-5 ERA, and he hasn't pitched a ton. Only 7.2 innings pitched this year, but that whip already looking phenomenal. A .5-2-2 whip because he's given up no walks this season and just four hits. Joe Mantiply is that Dude, and over his last five innings pitch, he's given up no earned run. So, I think Joe Manspla is about to heat up against righties and lefties. Joe Manspla is giving up a 500 OPS to both of them. He's elite against both sides of the plate. And Joe Manspla is probably the guy I want to see in save situations, even though he hasn't been so far in the one he's got 1.1 innings pitch in save situations so far and he's given up one earned run. So, so far in save situations this year, he hasn't been that good, but he's still someone that I do. Trust a lot he's someone that i think you could trust it last season i think he did i forgot what the record was that he said i that he set last season was it most consecutive outings without allowing a walk by left-handed reliever i think that was the record he set last season but regardless joe manspli is just the guy i trust the most he's been the best d-backs reliever the last two years he's pretty darn good runners in scoring position and he hasn't had a lot of opportunities this year and the sample size for joe man is still so small for this season he's pitched way less than anybody else but even with that being said he has been very good this season and again part of this exercise is i'm taking in account this season and overall body work so when i look at the work joe has put in this year plus the fact that he's the d-backs lone all-star representative from last year and he was good in 2021 as well like Joe Manipi, during his D-backs tenure, has a 3-2-8 ERA over 109 innings pitch. This guy is elite. He doesn't give up home runs. He doesn't walk a ton of people. And he's a pretty decent striking out dude as well, over nine strikeouts per nine innings. Joe Manipi is a dude. I love him. I trust him. And he's number one in my trustworthy power rankings for D-backs relievers. Now that's it for this edition of the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. Thank you to everyone who tuned into today's podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. Thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. If you do listen every day, put hashtag everyday on the Lockdown Dimebacks YouTube channel. Don't forget you can catch every D backs pitch with your hometown broadcast when you download the Series XM app and search up Dimebacks on the App Store. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Yos.